The Central Election Commission on Monday held a drawing to determine ballot numbers for the three pairs of presidential candidates. DPP vice presidential candidate Xiaobi Kim drew the number on behalf of her and Lai Qingde. She picked number two, saying it was the number of victory. TPP candidate Ko Wenzhe personally drew number one, while a representative for Ho Yoi and Zhao Xiaokang of the KMT picked number three. After seeing she had drawn number two, Xiaobi Kim of the DPP was ready with a corresponding slogan. Her supporters were also prepared. She pasted the new number on a poster beside the slogan, saying it was God's plan and a blessing for Taiwanese. It is all God's plan and a blessing to the Taiwanese people. With virtue and integrity, we march forward. Number two is a sign for victory. We will keep working hard to make sure Taiwan wins. A victorious Taiwan will be a Taiwan of the world. Xiao's running mate Lai Qingde could not attend due to a prior engagement outside of Taipei. But TPP candidate Ko Wenzhe was able to attend in person. Accompanied by campaign manager Vivian Huang and spokesperson Vicky Chen, Ko drew number one. I'm a doctor. I don't put much weight behind such things. It's a number. Ballots need numbers in order to vote. Asked whether he was lucky to get number one, Ke did not have a strong reaction, saying only that it was a number for the ballot. Number three went to the KMT's Ho Yoi and Zhao Shaokang. In a repeat of his new Taipei City mayoral campaign, Ho sent youth representatives to draw a number in a show of support for youth participation in politics. With the 2024 election only a month away, the stage is now fully set for campaigning to begin in earnest. President Tsai Ing-wen today received Japan's new representative to Taiwan, Kadayama Kazuyuki. The de facto ambassador is already familiar with his new posting as Taiwan's democratization was the topic of his master's thesis. Tsai told the envoy she looks forward to a new chapter in Taiwan-Japan relations, while Kazuyuki suggested that fate had a hand in his arrival before the election. President Tsai Ing-wen gave a warm reception to Katayama Kazuyuki, Japan's new representative to Taiwan as head of the Japan-Taiwan Exchange Association's Taipei office. Representative Katayama said before that he wishes to meet with many Taiwanese people and create more fans of Japan. We happen to share this goal as we also aim to increase Taiwan's contacts in Japan. I'm very lucky and very happy to have this chance to work in Taiwan. On January 13th, Taiwan will be choosing a new president and legislators. To come here for the election must have been fate. Katayama was a graduate student at Harvard when the DPP was founded in 1986, and he chose to focus on Taiwan's democratization for his thesis. Now, 37 years later, he will be in Taiwan to experience his first democratic election firsthand. Tsai said she hopes for even closer relations between their countries, as well as Japanese support for Taiwan's bid to join the CPTPP. Taiwan and Japan share the values of freedom and democracy. With the support of Representative Katayama, we hope that Taiwan and Japan will continue to deepen their economic partnership and contribute to the prosperous development of the Indo-Pacific region.
Peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait are of vital importance to the international community, Japan included. Taiwan and Japan are extremely important partners whose mutual assistance creates a virtuous cycle. With a new representative taking office, the two sides also said they looked forward to growing their friendship. What keywords did Taiwan search for the most this past year? Well, Google has the answers. The most searched for term was typhoon, likely due to Typhoon Haikui, the first cyclone to make landfall in Taiwan in four years. Rounding off the top five were ChatGPT, World Baseball Classic, 6000 NT Handout, and iPhone 15. Following the COVID pandemic, borders are opening up and travel is popular once again. However, a recent survey of the travel industry has found that the market is becoming more and more M-shaped with big spenders at one end and budget travelers at the other end, with few middle-class travelers to be found in between. For high-end travelers, the ideal travel budget for a single trip is 100,000 NT to 300,000 NT. And when 100 celebrities were questioned about what place they would most recommend for a visit, Taiwan ranked fifth. People love to go traveling. However, in the post-pandemic era, tourism industry executives are also pointing to a structural change in the market, known as an M-shaped phenomenon, which is becoming more and more obvious, where travel is either for the very wealthy or for budget travelers. I am willing to spend lots of money on travel because I am not saving money. The budget I'll go by is how much money I make this month. I will deduct basic living expenses and spend whatever is left over to travel. For example, if I really want to go to Antarctica, travel expenses would start at 700,000 NT. You know, it is so hard to make money, but if it's for travel, eating delicious food, then absorbing more nutrients and taking a good look at the world, I feel sometimes you have to spend the money. An industry survey has found that as many as 56% of tourists have a budget of 100,000 to 300,000 NT. There are many that are willing to spend 300,000 to 500,000 on a single trip. In addition to spending money rather than saving it, this group of travelers also locks in vacation time of at least two weeks and takes time off work to go on a big trip. Of course, for the lowest end, it's also a way for the petty bourgeoisie to make use of 50,000 NT. I think the M-shaped phenomenon is actually getting more and more serious, not just overseas, but also within the nation. Wealthy and poor travellers each have their own markets. However, industry executives have found that Taiwan ranked fifth among travel destinations recommended by 100 celebrities. Taiwanese people rushed to travel across the nation during the pandemic, which boosted incomes in the industry and promoted upgrades in the services industry. Actually, I'm very unfamiliar with a lot of places on the outlying islands. If I want to plan a trip around the island, I definitely must include the outlying islands. I feel like it's playing a game. There are many places that still haven't been unlocked. Clearly they are places that are very close to me. I feel I should first play this game myself and then properly see the rest of the world. Traditional Tainan, along with Taiwan's east coast, are still the first choice for tourists. 
The military feel of the outlying islands, along with their vistas of the sea and skies, have allowed the local travel industry to carve out a niche in the post-pandemic tourism market. Have you ever noticed a special team of hosts and hostesses at Taiwan's National Day? This etiquette team are on hand to guide guests through the ceremony and smooth over the experience. This year, the team has a special member, Jerapat Unaha from Thailand. He's studying travel and tourism at Mingchuan University and is passionate about everything service-related. We spoke to the accomplished international student about life in Taiwan and his hopes for the future. With wide smiles and coordinated gestures, a company of young etiquette staff is a fixture at the annual National Day celebrations. They are everywhere at the event, guiding and welcoming guests. For 39 years, the etiquette staff ambassador team from Mingchuan University have held the important job. Now they have a star student who's also an immigrant. Good morning, everyone. My name is Alex. Fluent in four languages, Jirapat Unaha came to study Mandarin at university in Taiwan. He likes to work with groups of people and chose the International Institute to major in travel and tourism. Now in his second year, he's joined the National Day Etiquette staff team. I'm very interested in the service industry, so I thought, if I get the chance, I'd like to join the team. It will teach me how to be a professional host, and I will get more opportunities to go to all kinds of events and get more service experience. I've served dignitaries from Thailand. When I saw their faces and their Thai names, I immediately started using Thai with them, and they seemed very happy to have a Thai student serving them. To perform at his best, he practices his posture and his Chinese in the mirror every day. He keeps fit by practicing Muay Thai. But one Taiwanese treat bursts his image as a fitness fanatic. His first love in Taiwan was bubble tea. Taiwanese bubble tea is not the same as Thai milk tea. Taiwanese milk tea has boba in it that you can chew. It's fun and casual. As part of the etiquette team, Jirapat Unaha has had an unusual experience of studying in Taiwan. He says in the future, he would like to join the airline industry as a flight attendant or work in a hotel in Taiwan. Any team would be lucky to have his professionalism and warmth to count on. Construction is proceeding smoothly at TSMC's fab in Japan's Kumamoto Prefecture, and reports say an inauguration could be held soon. The plant will reportedly hold its opening ceremony on February 24th next year in an event attended by company CEO C.C. Wei, Japanese officials, and perhaps even Taiwan's president-elect. Economics Minister Wang Meihua responded to the reports on Monday, saying the ministry would further communicate with the chipmaker to get a grasp on the situation. TSMC shares surged on Monday, gaining 4 NT to close up at 574 NT, boosting the company's market value to almost 15 trillion NT. The chipmaker's shares are going ex-dividend this Thursday. Investors are looking closely at market performance, but also at progress in the company's foreign expansion projects. TSMC's expected performance rebound next year will surely be a plus for TSMC as far as its fab in Kumamoto is concerned. Progress on the Kumamoto fab is in line with expectations. 
It's even going ahead of schedule. The market had long expected that, so there won't really be a major reaction. It is very reasonable to think that the Japanese plant will be completed within the established time frame. In addition, the recent depreciation of the yen will make TSMC's Japan operations even more competitive. Construction is proceeding ahead of schedule at TSMC's Kumamoto Fab. Reports say the company plans to hold its inauguration ceremony on February 24th next year, in an event attended by CEO C.C. Wei and other company executives. High-ranking Japanese officials are reportedly also on the guest list to witness the opening of Japan's first 16-nanometer fab. Rumors say the event may also be attended by Taiwan's president-elect, but the company has not confirmed nor denied the matter. Whether the Kumamoto fab is completed in February next year is something we will discuss closely with TSMC. We are paying close attention to any developments. Economics Minister Wang Meihua did not elaborate on TSMC's plans. Reports say the company is assessing a further expansion in Japan, with a second fab scheduled to begin construction in April. The second fab will allegedly produce 7 nanometer chips as early as 2026. Whether TSMC will further grow its Japan operations with a third fab focusing on 3 nanometer advanced processes remains to be seen. China's real estate sector remains wobbly with one company after another defaulting on debt payments. One of the latest is a Shanghai-based Powerlong Commercial Management Holdings, which has more than 716.5 billion NT in debt. The company has announced that due to increasingly serious liquidity issues, it will be unable to make its foreign debt payments as scheduled. Let's hear from an expert. Previously, the government encouraged people to buy real estate. The problem now is that nobody dares to buy any. Nobody dares make a purchase. So the government should really look into solving the problem of all these real estate companies defaulting. With China's current lack of clarity on the real estate sector, its economy won't get any better. The expert says it's not surprising that real estate companies are having financial troubles. At one point, more than 30% of the Chinese economy relied on real estate. Now that the housing market has collapsed, it's left a growing hole in the country's economy. Elite drone racers from France, Thailand and Taiwan brought to Kaohsiung the excitement of nighttime drone racing. The event was held by the Ministry of Economic Affairs together with major electronic companies who showcased the possibilities of dedicated dual-band 5G networks. The technology offers extremely low latency, which allowed the pilots to maneuver their drones around an obstacle course at breathtaking speeds of 60 kilometers per hour. Organizers say the event marked the start of a new tech chapter for Taiwan. A drone zooms by, clearing the obstacles in this light-up course. Trailing closely behind it, more drones try to find the fastest path to the finish line. This night race called the 5G Cyberpunk was held in Kaohsiung and attracted four elite drone pilots from France, Thailand and Taiwan. Wearing 5G mixed reality headsets, they maneuvered their drones around the course at a nippy 60 kilometers per hour. I really enjoyed it. I could see everything clearly and that let me demonstrate my skill. 
5G small cells were set up at the track to ensure the highest image resolution and transfer speeds, reducing latency between pilots and drones to just 0.04 seconds. The event was a testament to the stability of dedicated 5G networks. The equipment used in the drone race was our own Taiwan-made 5G tech. These technological developments are up there with global standards. They offer the lowest latency. Pilots were able to smoothly navigate the obstacles thanks to a first-of-its-kind dedicated 5G dual-brand network, which afforded racers the fastest image transfer speeds in the world. In the future, the setup could be implemented in many different industries. This system allows us to control drones moving at such high speeds. If it can be shown to be successful, this technology could have applications in all sorts of industries, for example, the automotive industry, and for things like surgical procedures at hospitals. We're optimistic about how this technology is gradually developing in all sorts of industries. With the advent of the 5G era, the nighttime race showcased ultra-low latency technologies as applied to drones, opening up a new chapter for competitive sports. This year, with financial support from the fisheries agency, the Suao Fishermen's Association has joined hands with a borough chief in nearby Nanfang Ao to launch a charity drive. Their heartwarming meals project aims to provide people in fishing villages, including the elderly and disadvantaged groups, with nutritious and healthy meals. This table is covered with bento boxes that look really sumptuous. There's a variety of food on offer, but the main course is seasonal large-head hairtail fish. These bento boxes are for disadvantaged people in the east coast community of Suao and Yilang County, and they are balanced meals rich in nutrients. <laughs> We use nationally produced, locally grown or certified ingredients in our meals or lunch boxes. They are made so that elderly or disadvantaged groups in rural fishing villages can have proper nutritious meals. With the support of the Fisheries Agency, the Suao Fishermen's Association has launched a heartwarming meals project. Since the beginning of the year, they have provided meals to more than 40,000 people. The project combines the efforts of government and local residents to protect elderly people and vulnerable groups in rural areas. If the fisheries agency wants to promote a culture of eating fish, the most important thing is for the agency to show fishers that it cares about the elderly in our communities. Under the shadow of rising commodity prices, there are fears that having three meals a day and enough food to eat may become a luxury. The fisheries agency not only hopes to promote local fisheries and sustainable fish farming, but is also preparing bento boxes for delivery so that the elderly can eat well. A team of early intervention therapists in Taidong offers a mobile service for rural communities. The mobile unit is based at Taidong Christian Hospital. It heads out into remote locations where access to medical services is limited to offer support to children with developmental delays or disabilities. As Xiao Zhenming, the team leader, explains, it's a demanding but very rewarding job. Reducing inequalities caused by rural access issues has always been an important task for Taiwan's government. Among many issues, access to medical services is the most urgent. 
Dr. Le Junren, who's a pediatric neurologist, realized during his long-term service in remote communities that many children in remote locations need rehabilitative therapies, but they don't have the resources. Taidong Christian Hospital has launched a mobile early intervention team whose credo is go wherever the need is. They provide comprehensive medical care to children in remote locations with limited resources. We can get three therapists into the car. In the hospital, three therapists can see about eight children in half an hour. But when we go out, sometimes we might only be able to see two children. It might take 20 minutes to get from one location to the next. So looking at the cost efficiency, of course, mobile early intervention makes a big loss. The journey can be long and cover an arduous mountain route, but the team don't resent the extra work. They offer six different specialties and offer personalized services for children at fixed times every week. Sometimes we get patients from very far away and we think, wow, I didn't think we'd get one from so far off. And actually, we're all very happy when we can reach such a distant place and help the child. The team has been working for seven years since 2008, not hesitating to offer their best to help children grow up happy and healthy. Taiwan may have seen a few days of spring-like weather, but that's soon coming to an end. Starting Tuesday, northeasterly winds will blow cold and wet weather to the north and east. Although a brief respite is expected on Thursday, brace up because an even stronger cold spell is expected to sweep in on Saturday. Starting Tuesday, the rain will come in batches, one wave after another. Temperatures will drop down to about 22 or 23 degrees in the early morning and linger at around 18 to 19 degrees during the day. The weekend will be cold and wet, especially in the north. It may get chillier and rainier. If a cold air mass or a continental mass approaches, we may get lows nearing 12 to 14 degrees. The mercury will sink twice in the coming week, and low temps may linger from Saturday to next Tuesday or Wednesday.